Praise God. What an awesome time of worship that was. I just thought, you know, the woman that broke the alabaster jar and the oil poured out. Oh, it was that precious in his sight. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to speak this morning on the helmet of hope. I've been reading uh, through 1 Thessalonians. Uh, I started just a couple of weeks ago, really, just reading through 1 Thessalonians 1. And it's all about the day of the Lord's return. Interestingly, that first song was about his return. And um, one day he will come back. Not like he left, (laughs) but he will come back in all his glory and every eye will see and every knee will bow on that day. And um, I just, as we were worshiping there, felt to say, don't get ready. Don't get ready for that day. Live ready. Because who knows? Scriptures say we won't know the day or the hour. He will come like a thief in the night. We won't know the day or the hour, but he says the signs. And quite honestly, I think we've got a whole lot of those signs going on right now in our world. We're in that day where there are so many signs. So my word to you is don't get ready. Live ready. And this chapter uh, one of, no, sorry, chapter five of 1 Thessalonians 1, it's speaking of darkness and light. Sons of the day and sons of the night. And verse 8, we're going to break in with verse 8. It says, but let us who are of the day be sober, alert, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And that phrase, the hope of salvation or the helmet of hope, really caught my attention. And I thought I need that. You know, both the breastplate and the helmet are both for protection, aren't they? And I thought, I need that helmet of hope, and so do you. Thoughts full of hope. And in the start of August, um, PJ heard the Lord speak to her about the power and the importance of imagination. And and the need to use imagination more. And uh, if you start to study Imagination. A lot of the references actually are in the Old Testament, and the majority of those, if not all, refer to the negative, having a negative imagination. Uh, in Psalm 73, it talks about your calloused hearts and your imaginations, your evil imaginations that have no limit. And without Christ, the imagination gravitates to the negative. It just does. And let me say, as you fully know, and I fully know, even with Christ, the carnal mind or the mind governed by the flesh gravitates like a magnet to the negative. But praise God, we have him and our imaginations can be turned or harnessed for good to the positive. And in the New Testament, actually, the The word used to describe having a positive imagination is the word hope. Hope is a positive imagination, an expectation of good in the future. And I've been looking at the difference between faith and hope, because I think sometimes we're confused, well, which is it? Am I in faith or am I just in hope? 
Am I even in hope? Um, and I think this, this gift of God, hope, has been overlooked. It's kind of been relegated because faith, faith pleases God. Faith's vital in receiving from God, but so is hope. The scriptures actually show us the hope actually plays a really important role in you and I receiving from God. In Genesis, Abraham received his call from God to get out of his country. I'll go to a land, I'll show you. And he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing. And Abraham believed God and he left. But the problem was there was a time delay and he had no descendants and he needed some help to believe. And in chapter 13 of Genesis, um, the Lord spoke to him and he said, I'm going to give you the north, the south, the east and the west. Your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth, sand on the seashore. And then in the very next verse, he says, go out into the, the length and the width of the land and walk in it. God knew Abraham needed to look at sand, feel sand between his toes and start to imagine the multitudes of descendants that would come from his own body, a great nation. I don't know how long the time delay was from chapter 12 to chapter 13, but you get all the way to chapter 15, he's still childless. The promise remains, but he's still without a single descendant. And God said to him, go outside. Look at the sky. Count the stars if you are able. Of course you can't. So shall your descendants be like the dust of the earth, like the stars of the sky. And this great hero of faith, he's our father in the faith. He was actually called the friend of God. He needed hope. Yes. Abraham, the father of faith, needed hope. Yes. He needed hope yes. to help him believe. Yes. And in Romans 4, verse 18, it says this, who contrary, opposite to hope, natural hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So in the natural, he had no reason to hope. Any reason, any glimmer of hope, he had nothing to pin his hope on or natural reason had long gone, many, many, many years before. And yet he had something better than a pin. He had an anchor. He had an anchor for his soul and that anchor, hope is called the anchor of our souls, that anchor kept him in place. And that anchor of hope stopped him from drifting. And in hope, he believed. In hope, it was like a springboard into faith. Hope helped him to believe. And I just wanted to say to you, if you don't have faith for something, start with hope. Start the process by hoping. Take your promise and start to imagine Start to let it form a picture, an image on the inside of you of what that would look like. Because hope activates faith. I just want to share um, a testimony with you. Many of you know I've had this problem with my eyes for a long, long time that's been really debilitating. The promise that the Lord gave me 
quite a few years ago now. It's from 2 Corinthians 9.8, which says, um, God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that in all things, at all times, you will have everything you need for every good work. And actually in the Amplified, it says you'll be self-sufficient. You'll have so much grace, you'll be self-sufficient, requiring no aid or support. Now, I have to be honest, I needed some help to believe that because when circumstances and symptoms are speaking loud, which they do, you need some help to believe. I was just praying about that one day and I was, I was walking and I saw this van uh, with a cartoon cow on it and the caption across the side of the van read, she believed she could, so she did. And, and the Lord just spoke to me so clearly and said, take that for yourself. She believed she could, so she did. And he said, just start to imagine being self-sufficient, requiring no aid or support. Start to imagine my grace, which is his presence and power, active in your body, in all of your circumstances, so that you are able to do what you can't currently do. Really what it was, was a kind of word from the Lord to dare to dream. To dare to dream, to dare to imagine and start seeing myself doing what I wasn't able to do. And I, I had this image and I close my eyes, I can still see this image of myself being able to do what I couldn't do, using my car more, quite honestly, to go places and do things. And it's like I started to dream and see myself like a movie, doing all these things that I couldn't do, being self-sufficient, having his grace, meeting my need. And I have to say, that hope picture, that positive imagination has activated my faith. And the grace of God I have experienced in my body, my eyes have improved. I'm starting to do things and take faith steps to do really quite ordinary things. But what for me has been impossible for nearly five years, it's amazing. But it started with hope. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. But I've sat with the word and I've started to picture it. And that's what the Lord is saying we need to do. Get a different internal picture of what these promises would look like. You know, to, when you sit with the promise, to, to ask yourself the question, well, what would that look like then in my life? What would slaying Goliath look like in my life? What would walking on water be and look like in my life if I was doing that? You know, just imagining the word. If you're believing for healing, I so want to encourage you, pause and imagine yourself healed. What would that look like? You know, sit with the word, let it paint a picture on the inside. Imagine yourself doing what you can't currently do. PJ shared a testimony about a woman, woman who came in a wheelchair to a meeting, received faith, and then came in the evening with her shoes on her lap. She'd seen herself walking before she walked. She'd seen it here before she saw it with her own physical eyes. And that's the point. We need to see things on the inside 
before we see them on the outside. And so we have to drag our eyes off of circumstances like Abraham. Abraham didn't consider his own body. Have you ever have you really thought about that? How old he was. His body would have talked to him every day. He'd have looked, you know. Could he bend down and put shoes on if he even had any? I don't know. But there would have been struggles that would have talked loud, but he didn't consider them. This is the amazing thing. The point is we can do this because we're designed by God to work well, but it really matters what we're looking at and what we're considering. And I've got a slide about carnal thinking. Carnal thinking is thinking that's governed by the flesh. So carnal thinking is based on experiences and circumstances. Spiritual thinking is based on the word of God. The enemy so wants to get all of us focused on how we feel and what we see, our experience and our circumstances, and um, everything that's wrong with us, all our faults and our failings. And if all you're doing is looking at the wrong, whatever that is, the problems, the weaknesses, the issues, Uh, thinking about those things, we become like the Israelites just going round and around in circles, looking at it on the outside, filled with it on the inside. And we need the word of God to break in so that we can get out. But it has to break in on the inside first, in our hearts and in our minds. So we get this new internal picture so that when the enemy talks, as he does, he's a spirit being with a voice, And when he points at the faults and points at the failings and says, you can't do that. You say to him, too late, devil. I've seen myself doing it. I've already pictured myself doing that. And that has activated my faith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's so important. I really felt a... nudge from the Lord to say this at this point. When the enemy speaks to you, speak back. Don't let him have the final say. Many of you know that, but some of you need to hear that. You speak back and don't be afraid. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A lot of people, I think, fear the enemy. They imagine him as this huge thing that can wreak havoc in their lives. And John G. Lake, an amazing, amazing man of God, lived about 150 years ago, saw incredible things. He said, the problem with so many believers, in quotes, is that their devil is too big and their God is too small. And I've been um, meditating on Luke chapter 10, verse 19, which says, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. And if we could really see ourselves from God's perspective, see our ranking in the spirit realm, if I can put it like that, raised with Christ to sit in heavenly places, we'd suddenly realize, hang on a minute, any demon, if there are any around here, is afraid of me. Turn the tables. But the only way they can win, you see, 
is if they get us thinking and acting like mere men, the scripture calls it. Seeing ourselves apart from Christ. Seeing ourselves just as ordinary, natural human beings. And 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3 says this. I'm just going to have a quick drink. You can read while I just have a drink. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, governed by the flesh, right? As to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. They're all that the milk messages are that Jesus loves you, got a great plan for your life, wants to bless you. And you know what? We're always going to need milk. We're always, I always want milk, but I know I need meat as well. Just to go back, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you're still carnal, mind on experience and circumstance. But where, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like ordinary human beings? And we really need to beware of strife and division because that's got the enemy written all over it. He loves that stuff. He loves to stir it up. And our flesh loves to talk about it. Well, did you hear did you hear what they did? Did you hear what she said? And we need to shut that down and shut that out, really because it shuts down the anointing in our lives. There's no flow of God in that kind of stuff, and it just creates more and more division. Wrong things at times, of course, need to be put right, but we go to the person and say, look, it's like this, but our attitude, of course, is to win them to win them. Galatians 5:14 says the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself, treat them like you'd like to be treated. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. And I've been reading 1 Corinthians 13, that astounding chapter about the love of God. And it starts with the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is the ability to see. He's given it to all of us because we have the Holy Spirit. But it actually says, you can understand all mysteries. If you've got faith that can move mountains but have not love, you're nothing. You can see everything crystal clear in technicolor in the spirit realm, but if you've not got love, you missed it. Nothing's going to work. And it finishes that chapter. These three remain. Faith, hope, love. But the greatest of all those three is love. I find that astounding. We would think it was faith. You start to learn about hope. You think, well, surely hope. No, no. Love. And Jesus said offences will come. He warned us of that for sure. Offensive things will happen. Stuff happens, but we don't, you know, opportunities for offence will always be offered, but we don't have to take it. I had a string of things. I had a ridiculous week. Not last week, the week before last. I, look, honestly, the things that can really get me rattled are services that let you down. You know, and I just had, I had three in a row. I had my um, TV provider tell me there was a block on my account. 
annoying, but, you know, and you have to go through at least three or four calls to sort that. Then my bank cancelled my debit card, so I couldn't use it. Then I found out, found out my optician, who had lost my glasses after waiting 14 weeks for the new pair, that's nearly four months, by the way, had ordered the wrong pair. And it was like, really? I did a lot of, I can't believe this. You are not going to believe, you know? And I realised, look, stuff happens. All of those things were wrong. And in one sense, it's understandable to be annoyed. I knew I can't afford for this, those roots to go down. With a fence, let, you know, if you've got, you, when the roots are little, pull it out. Don't let them go down deep, because that's hard a job to get that out. Anyway, Ephesians 4, chapter 17 says this. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility or vanity of their thinking. Gentiles, that's anybody outside of Christ, non-Christians. That's the understanding we have today. So Paul is saying, you're not meant to think like non-Christians do. Our minds are not meant to go where their minds go. Our imaginations are not meant to go where their imaginations go. Actually, if you think about it, all sin starts with a thought. All of it. Your body can't go where you haven't been in your mind already. You can't do something you haven't first thought of doing. Ephesians 4.20, verse yeah, 20 says this. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Deceit is thinking you're right when you're wrong. And to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Now, I love the amplified version of this. If we could have that next slide. It talks about having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. That was it. Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Now, on a plane... I found out there's something called an attitude indicator. Who knew? Right? But it's a real thing. There it is. Picture of it. The attitude indicator actually shows the position of the plane in relation to the horizon. Right? So when the nose is pointed above the horizon, that's when it's climbing. It's called a nose high attitude. But when it starts to descend and the nose is pointed below the horizon, it's called a nose-down attitude. The pilot can make a change by simply making an adjustment. He can change the direction of that plane simply by making an adjustment. Now think of it. We can change the whole course of our lives from that to that, simply making, by making an adjustment to how we think. It's remarkable, this. You know, not just reading the word and forgetting about it, reading the word and saying, right, Lord, what are you wanting me to, 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 
see here? What are you wanting me to change here? How are you wanting me to think differently? An attitude is a way of thinking and behaving. What thinking or behaving do I need to change here? But you know, if we start to really meditate on what he says and start to see it, it forms an image. And that internal image, it changes us. It changes how we think, which will change how we behave. Ephesians 4 verse 23, if we just go back to it, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created. We're created to be like God. Like it should be natural, if I can put it like that, for us to be righteous and holy. We're made for it. But how do you put on Christ then? How do you put off the old you and put on the new you or put on Christ? Well, it's a daily adjustment. And quite honestly, it's more than daily. But we have to adjust our minds to think how he thinks. To see ourselves and all of life how he says it is. See yourself in Christ. And see Christ in you. It's a multiple times a day thing because multiple times a day we're tempted to reason and worry see things on a nose down way of seeing and I I really want to say sticking with it is key sticking with it is how we change sticking with it and sticking on it this is simple but we have to be on it We have to be monitoring ourselves regularly, thinking about what we're thinking about. You know, if your emotions are going off on one, it's because of something going on up here in your head, you know? Thoughts lead to emotions. And you might say, oh, P.A., I've resisted the devil, but I'm still depressed. (laughs) Honestly, if you have the devil's dealt with and the devil's not your problem, it's your thinking. It's your thinking that needs to change. You can't be depressed and hopeful at the same time. It's impossible. And so it's the meditation that needs to change because thoughts lead to emotions. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he do it? By changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Listen, this is radical stuff. Really, change can happen as of here and now, just by adjusting like the pilot, a wrong way of thinking, sitting with the word long enough So it creates this new internal picture. And I think so often we don't stick with one scripture long enough. You know, we sit and we read a whole chapter. And I have nothing against reading chapters upon chapters. But very often it's just the one scripture we need. But we don't stick with it long enough. And so it's just information. And we've got this head full of information, but no revelation. Jesus said, if you feed on me, you'll live. You know, and really, when I read that chapter, I think, if I'm honest, about a cow chewing the cud. You've got to chew on it and get all the goodness you can out of that verse. 
We're just going to look at a verse in 3 John 2 as an example. Dear friend, take this as his word to you personally this morning. I pray that you may enjoy good health, not average health, good health, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Now, most of us in this room and watching online probably know, well, God wants me well and God wants me prosperous. You may even be praying that. But if you can't see it, if you can't see it, let me say it one more time. If you can't see that, you won't experience it. That's the awesome truth of it. And so when I read these scriptures, I can't say faith's immediate. Very often it takes time, but as I meditate and pray, Lord, help me see this then. Help me picture it in my life. Meditation leads to imagination. I can start to see. It's just rolling it over in your mind, speaking it to yourself. And self-talk so important, isn't it? Your internal talk. The battle's lost or won with self-talk. I said out loud the other day, well, I've got a head like a sieve. You know, I'd literally forgotten one thing after another after another. I went upstairs. I didn't know why I was there. What did I come up here for? Head like a sieve. And I thought, no, no, I'm not going to let that become the internal meditation. I took that captive right there and said, no, I've got a sound mind. Nothing wrong with my mind. And we need to learn to speak to ourselves in faith because what we hear and talk internally, that becomes our meditation. Worry works like this. You may say to me, well, I don't know how to meditate. Oh, yes, you do. Do you know how to worry? Yes, quite good at that. Well, worry is meditation on all the wrong things. You know, thinking about all the negatives, rolling them over in your mind. And so bad goes to worse, and worse goes to impossible. There's no Jesus, you see, in any of those imaginations. And this week, um, I don't know if any of you remembered, but the date always stays because it was, we heard it so often, 9-11, the anniversary of the terrorists attacking in America when those Twin Towers came down. And I thought to myself, you know, the enemy is the ultimate terrorist, isn't he? And he wants to hijack our lives by taking control of this plane, becoming the pilot of this life and crashing us down. And it all happens here in this cockpit with imagination. Imagining all the wrong things, lies, temptations, nagging, undermining thoughts. Recognize the thoughts that disturb you. Don't let them float around unidentified. If you can't figure out what it is that's disturbing you, ask the Lord for help. What is it that's You know, I'm down today, but I don't even know why. Has anybody ever thought that? I'm just a bit niggled and I'm not even sure why. Lord, what is it? Something's lodged here that's bothering me. What is it? And we need to take these things captive. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as they do. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power, all of heaven, all of the power of God behind it to demolish strongholds. A stronghold is a place, an advantageous position that the enemy attacks from. To demolish strongholds, we demolish arguments and every pretension, deceptive thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take them captive, every thought, and make it obedient to Christ. Just like we all had a choice to praise this morning, we all have a choice what we think about. We can all have a nose up day or a nose down day based on how we think. I'm going to finish with this. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in what you hope for. So if you're going to have faith, you really need its partner hope. Face confidence in what you hope for. So you need to start imagining from here the will of God. See it. Picture it. Ask the Lord to help you picture it. Confidence in what you hope for. The assurance of what we can't see. So you close your eyes and you get a picture of hope. You open your eyes. You can't see it with your physical eyes yet. But if you close your eyes, you can see it. I didn't plan on giving this testimony, but I heard this amazing testimony of a woman actually who was um, nearly fully blind. She had a bit of sight, but was partially sighted. And um, she was a minister's wife. This happened a few years ago. And every time a visiting speaker or a, you know, a, somebody with a healing ministry came to the church, she'd say, please pray for me, please pray for me, please pray for me. She was prayed for countless times, nothing happened. Then one day, this man came along, and she'd given up hope. Hope had gone, you see. And her husband said to her, you're not going to ask them to pray for you? No. She got so discouraged with her experiences and her circumstances. And he encouraged, he said, please do it, just do it. So she did. She didn't have a lot of well, she didn't have a lot of hope, let alone faith, but she said, please pray for me. A man said, close your eyes. He put his hand on her head and he said, in the name of Jesus, eyes see. She opened her eyes. He said, how is it? Nothing's changed, she said. Close your eyes, he said. In the name of Jesus, eyes see. She opened her eyes. How is it? Nothing's changed, she said. He said, I'm going to do this one more time. But I'm going to ask you not to open your eyes after I've prayed. Keep them closed. And he said, in the name of Jesus, eyes see. And she kept her eyes closed. And he said, how is it? Can you see? She said, yes, with her eyes closed. Yes, I can see. I can see clearly. I don't even need my glasses anymore. Because she could see in her mind, she could see in her heart, she had this picture on the inside of being completely free of this affliction. He said, and now open your eyes. Boom. Healed. 2020 vision, completely perfect. But she saw it on the inside before she saw it on the outside. And so I want to say to you, if you're not in faith, you really want to be, but if you're honest, you're not have faith, you don't have faith. Start the process by hoping. Sit with the word. Yes. Read it, 
meditate on it, that promise, whatever it is, provision, healing, being used by God to reach those countless ones who need so desperately and don't even know. Let it paint a picture on the inside of you. Change your internal picture. And if you can see yourself doing it with your eyes closed, you will see yourself doing it with these eyes. Now, I've got homework for you, right? And it's three scriptures that I really want to encourage you to go home and meditate on. And it's 3 John 2, the scripture, brilliant idea, PJ's taken a photo. 3 John 2, I used it earlier. Beloved, I pray that you will be in health and prosper in all things, just as your soul prospers. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And finally, Acts 3, verses 1 to 10. That, of course, you know, is the story of the lame man who had sat for 40 years in the same position begging. Peter and John walked by and he's like, what can you give me? And they said, look at us. I love the confidence of that. Look at us. What we have, we don't got sil- we've not got silver and gold, but what we have, you're about to receive. What we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus. Up you get. Now, I prayed for somebody this week and I was meditating on that. Really seeing myself like Peter, just saying, what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Come on. And they have seen an absolute turnaround. All the glory to Jesus. But it's, I'd been meditating as well on greater is he that is in me. Come on. We need this consciousness. If we're going to heal the sick, which, oh, they so need us to. Praise God for the NHS, but they can only go so far. So many things are beyond their reach. And anyway, healing from Jesus is superior, isn't it? No side effects, no repercussions. Comforting people with supernatural comfort. If you have hope, you can give it. You know, my gosh, this, this brings the joy back, the joy of our salvation, peace that's supernatural. You know, if you have it, really, we have it in our spirits, but I mean in our experience, we can give it away. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We all need an upgrade in our thinking. I think it was Alicia Keys wrote that song, uh, An Empire State of Mind. And so often we can be in the basement in our thinking. We need to get in that lift, press the button and take me to the top floor. Elevate the way... I think, and I I just want to encourage you by saying this is process. We have to develop it, really develop a new habit of reading a promise and then closing your eyes and imagining, well, what would that look like in my life? What would that look like if I did that? You know, getting that internal image on the inside You may say to me, well, I'm no good at this. It's just not my thing. Well, the Holy Spirit is, and he's in you, and he's an expert at it. He may get you to look at natural things like Abraham did, stars. Not a lot of sand around here, but creation. Natural things. For me, it was a cartoon cow on the side of a van. But it's hope that brings a picture 
a different internal picture in your mind, you put faith with that from meditating on the promise, the confidence comes, hope gives you the picture, faith gives you the confidence, boom, power of God starts to manifest. We've not got this as a slide, but meditation will produce right imagination that will then bring the manifestation, the grace, enabling, presence and power of God. I didn't know how to finish this message because quite honestly, this is a not, you know, let's pray for one another for hope because it's down to what you do. You'll come back next week with more hope if you've got a picture. You'll come back exactly the same if you haven't. So this is a homework, go home and do. But I tell you what we are going to do. We're going to sing now to God who is able to do exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. Whilst we're just waiting for the band to get ready, why don't you just close your eyes and say, Lord, lead me to the right scriptures. And when I do, help me to imagine. Oh, I just give you this instrument of my imagination. I put it in your hands and I ask you to use it for everything you want. Oh Lord, I pray that for everyone here and I pray it for myself. Romans said, present your members as instruments of righteousness. We just want to present our minds to you and pray that they will not be hijacked by the enemy and driven where he wants it to go. But Lord, that you will be in the driving seat of our imaginations. You will fill it with thoughts full of you, full of your will, inspired thoughts, kingdom thoughts, Jesus thoughts, winning thoughts, health thoughts, prospering thoughts, blessed to be a blessing thought. Oh, do it, Lord, we pray. And Lord, to you be the glory. To you, Lord, the one who is able to do more than we could even ask or imagine. Be glory in this church, we pray, in all generations. But God, we pray in our generation, in our time. Yes, for our blessing, but Lord, for their sake, for those ones who are in darkness and don't know it, do more than we could ask or imagine, Lord. In Jesus' name, let's praise Him, church. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.